HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 this is Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's October 24th, 21st, 2014. This is the Cider Week preview, so this is the Cider Sessions show. Uh, we're going to be tasting some special Kings and Black varietal ciders uh, that were sourced by our good friend uh, Gay Howard of United States of Cider, also known as at Hello Cider on Twitter. So, Gay, welcome to the show. You've really helped put together this show. We're trying to preview Cider Week. And um, why did you... Have us focus on Kingston Black uh, varietals. Well, I think there's so much interesting cider being made in the United States right now. It can become daunting if you're trying to explore cider and really start understanding what's going on. So picking one apple and seeing what different American cider makers are doing with that apple seemed like a good way to start. No, it's great. And we're going to tell the story of it today. Steve Wood from Farnham Hill is going to call in. So what is it about Steve? Was Steve the only person growing Kings and Black's apples for a while? I believe he was one of the first people to start exploring that apple many years ago in the Northeast. All right. And he's going to be calling in in, in a minute. We've also got, uh, I know you're here, Sasha and Sabine from, from Cider Week, New York. Uh, Dan Wilson from Slyborough, who's who also brought in... Uh, Kingston Black. Claire Paparazzo will join us a little later. She was the sommelier at Blue Hill. And, um, and sorry, Kay Michaels, who's the cheesemonger at Italy. So we've got a, a bunch of different uh, ciders here. So, Gay, tell us which of the, the brands we have with well, the Kingston Black. We have quite a selection here. We have the Farnham Hill Kingston Black Reserve Cider, which is one of Steve Wood's ciders. We have a very rare edition from West County Cider, a Kingston Black that was bottled in 2009, which normally people aren't holding their ciders that long, so that'll be exciting to taste. We also have Kingston Black Still Dry Cider from Eve Cidery. We have Redbird from upstate New York's Kingston Black, which I think they just started bottling in the last couple years. We have two Kingston Blacks from Distillery Lane Cider in Maryland. Uh, one of them is a bourbon barrel aged, so neither of those I've tried, but they're very going to be interesting, I think. We have Eden Sparkling Cider, which is a 50% Kingston Black, so it'll be interesting to see what the Kingston Black does in a blend. Great. And, and Dan, you brought in yeah, one also. Yeah, uh, one chilling right now. Chilling now, and that's, you just bottled that this last week, uh, yes? Yeah, yeah. So in this show, we're, we're going to taste all of those. Hopefully. And we're going to talk through them. And, and Steve Wood has most of the samples, and also Rowan Jacobson, the author, will be calling in as well. So we're going to try to do a, a, a full tasting of the Kings and Black on air today. So now, Steve Wood, I know you're, I know you're out there. I, uh, welcome to the show, Steve. Thanks, man. How are you? Steve, what, tell us the story of uh, the Kings and Black. What's that? Tell us the story of the Kings and Black. Oh, it's an it's a old, but not as old as people think it is, uh, from I think it's near Martok in Somerset, 
Um, but it's, uh, you know, maybe late 19th century, I believe. Uh, and it's uh, been I've reputed for, for a long time in the U.K. for having a, uh, you know, for making a good single variety cider, for having the balance of acids and tannins and sugars to make a, uh, a cider all on its own, which, um, despite what some people have tried to do with other varieties, most good cider varieties can't do. Most of, them, most of them have been saved for generations for their the attributes, the attributes they bring to a blend. Kingston Black uh, you know, does what it does all on its own, but what it does is extremely variable uh, depending on where it's grown and how it's treated. Um, so, and the tree's a nightmare. The apple's a pain in the neck. Everything's, you know, it's got all the, got everything you'd, you'd like to have in a, in a cider that you want to make a fuss about as being special because it's a total pain in the neck. But yeah, good, beautiful apple. <laughs> we grow some. <laughs> so, what, what, what's the process of, of finding an apple that makes good cider? And you know, how do you you start as an orchardist? Tell us a little bit about that part of this. Well, I mean, anybody who's got, I think, any sense is relying on his predecessor's experience. I we. I mean, it, it took a long time for us to even get the rudiments of this. But uh, the, 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 what I mean, depending on what you see, it depends on what you look for in in cider. And it's the same as wine. I mean, you think about the range of flavors and aromas available from different grapes and grown in different parts of the world in wine. I mean, you don't expect. Um, you know, Gewürztraminer to taste like you uh, know, like Syrah. I, 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 well, the, the uh, but but you know, if you, if you think as we do that good cider needs some kind of balance of bright acidity, some measure of fruitiness, and some kind of tannic structure, you need apples with some tannins in them. You need some bittersweets or bitter sharps for the tannic structure. You need some bright acid, some source of bright acid, and acid comes in all kinds of different packages. I mean, it, you know, one acid apple doesn't ferment the same as another. And you need some stuff, some apples that uh, produce fruitiness in the... Uh, the, the, the thing that people also quite often forget is that you, uh, it, this is as fermented, just like wine grapes. People don't expect the wine from grapes to taste like the grapes when they were picked. The apples that we're, we fermented the cider, they don't taste anything like the cider. Doesn't taste anything like the apples tasted when they were when they were fresh. It, 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 the attributes they bring to cider um, have to do with happen, with what happens with the kiss of the yeast. So um, you got to start somewhere, but uh, we prefer to start with the experience of generations and try to figure out which of the apples that others have grown elsewhere in the world or around here for cider that we have figure out which ones we thought we could grow well here. Um, but uh, anyway, that's what we kind of look for. So, Steve, um, you say this is a bit of a difficult apple to grow, and I've read on your website you don't even produce this cider every year. Is that just because you can't get a good crop annually? Well, we pretty much produce some of it every year. Um, uh, we 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 grow. Uh, we have a few hundred trees at Kingston Black, um, and the the, the the crops vary a lot. We're, we, we, this is a relatively light crop here. We've got one older block that's got almost nothing on it, but uh, we've got you know we've, uh, we 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 always manage to pick some. Um, but it's also I mean. The, the actual quality of the fruit varies quite a lot from year to year if you're paying attention to that sort of thing. And so we, um, I mean, one portion of last year's crop of Kingston Black, we, we fermented, we fermented it at different times. There was one por- part of one of the fermentations we thought was really very good indeed, but it wasn't. You know, we're we're looking for a set of sort of what to us are fundamental Kingston Black characteristics. And uh, one part of what we fermented this year was lovely, but it didn't quite have the showcase Kingston Black stuff going on. And uh, we wound up using it in a – actually, it's, it's in New York right now on draft. And, uh, we, we made a, we made a, a special blend for uh, of Dooryard for Cider Week. 
uh, in New York uh, out of out of that stuff, and it, we're very happy with that indeed. But I, yeah, the trees. The tree is recalcitrant. It's a tree. Yeah, it's, uh, I, boy, I don't know how far you want to get into horticulture, but Go deep. The, the tree just doesn't. The, the tree messes with you all the time. It's very hard to get the thing to do what you want it to do, um, compared to some other varieties. But it's fine. You know, it's cool. Well, it's, um, a, it's a great cider. So. Yeah, thank no, you for battling it's, it's, with we, the tree. We treat it as an outlier, though. We don't like to blend with it most of the time because. It isn't like most of the other varieties, so we think it stands better on its own. It was unusual this year to have, you know, to have a, a Kingston Black that we actually were happy to blend. Most of the time, we just we make what we make and we bottle it on its own, and that's what it is, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, Steve, uh, Dan Wilson's here from Slybro too. Hey, Steve. Hey, what's happening, Dan? Hey. Um, I, I'm curious. I'm drinking your, your Kingston Black here, and uh, it's got this great uh, kind of soft, woody, tannic quality. There's uh, a fair amount of barnyard. There's a, a really kind of nice inherent uh, sweetness to it, too. And I, I, I know this is fermented to dryness, but um, I, um, I, it's a really nice full mouthfeel. And, and uh, it, it seems to me in, in working with Kingston Black that, as you say, there's a lot of variability from year to year. And, uh, I, you know, you have to kind of um, develop some experience with, with some of these varieties to, to know how to kind of elicit the right or, or to get to the right end point. And I'm not sure, you know, maybe you could speak a little bit about that in, uh, in terms of how you, you kind of manage the fermentation or, um, uh, or what you notice up front in, in a juice that, that will kind of lead you in a certain direction on, uh, on how to handle it. Well... It's funny, Dan. I mean, Kingston Black does. It, we do an extreme version of our usual with Kingston Black. Our usual is hands off, and we do extreme hands off with Kingston Black. Um, and there, we do. There are uh, real differences in um, richness and in the brightness of a city in the acidity from year to year in the actual fruit. There are other more su- subtle differences. They don't change the way we handle it. Hmm. Um, I mean, we, uh, we, we harvest it. Um, I mean, you, you've seen and used a bit of our fruit. Yeah. We, we harvested it at, extreme, at, at a kind of the extreme uh, uh, end of ripeness. We, we make sure that it's very ripe when we're pressing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we always use the same neutral yeast. Um, most of the time, we've fermented in old barrels or punchins, really old barrels or punchins. We're not looking for any oak effect or anything, but more just for the, the uh, general slow oxygenation you get from a barrel. But sometimes we'll ferment some of it in stainless. But it's always the same treatment. I mean, we, you know, we, we try to do slow, cool fermentations, the same yeast, let it go all the way to dryness. Um, we wait a fair while before we rack it to let the cider drop, the, the finished cider drop bright, so that we're racking it off some fairly compacted leaves. Um, and we usually let it mature for six or eight months before we put it, you know, start evaluating it for bottling. Mm-hmm. And then we just stick it in bottles. Um, it's very ra- rarely filtered, it's usually bottled by gravity. You know, um, so uh, our, our, it's, it's uh, and what we're, you know, our, our effort in this one in particular, since we're making a single variety cider, has, was originally to discover what we think the real characteristics of it are. Yeah. And then just let that happen. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we get variability from year to year, but you know, our, our, our you know, our, I mean, our Kingston Black ciders are fairly identifiable as all from the same place. Right. I think it's, it's because we're using the same fruit with different variations from year to year. We haven't really changed since maybe 1997 what we do with the apples yeah. and with the juice. Yeah, but, well, I, I, so it's, I mean, I, I, there are a lot of other things. We are amazed at the very, very, uh, uh, variation in, in Kingston Blacks, and we tasted a whole lot of folks' Kingston Blacks today in aid of being able to think about this program. But uh, and it's the same thing. I mean, we're, we're amazed at how much variety there is uh, in, in the actual ciders. Ours is just stripped down. It's what I mean. We we think this is the apple. It's what the apple does when you. You know, Steve. It, it does taste like that. I mean, who wants to comment on wh- what do you taste 
when you're tasting the Kingston Black Reserve from Farnham Hill? What do I taste? What yeah. do we taste? Oh, well, um, we what we smell is usually some um, combination. There's a funny sort of forest floor verging on um, distant barnyard. We usually smell cantaloupe mm-hmm. um, and pears um, and some sort of sort of broad unidentified. We can't. We haven't really got a name for the acid. Um, we always smell what used to disturb us, which is a little bit of um, faint kind of toffee, which I, we thought originally was, a, was when we first were doing this, that, we were, that there was some defect. We had some diacetyl or something going on. But, but uh, we, we, a long time ago, realized that this is just a characteristic of the variety. There's always a little bit of cooked sugar toffee thing. There is one. Uh, let's see. One of our, one of our, one of our uh, yeah, more kind of controversial, or I'm not sure what to, how to call it, uh, descriptors. Almost always comes up, which is PWLEO, people who like each other. Which, uh, <laughs> let's see, is our, uh, yeah. um, it's uh, uh, our our tasting shorthand for a, a particular sort of sweat <laughs> that <laughs> that people who like each other very much on the moment. Yeah, that's something I call musky. It's that real. Yeah, yeah, musk, yeah musky is another one of the euphemisms mm-hmm. for that. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I always um, get that. So, yeah, I mean, so there's, so there's some sex in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we usually get in the taste, we get um, acid over a broad sort of woody bitter. I don't know how specific you want me to get with this. We get lemon and hay and cantaloupe and... Um, you know, I mean, we get other stuff that we don't particularly like from time to time, but it, 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 if, if things have gone well, we, 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 that's what we get. We get a fairly full feel with moderate astringency and a finish that follows the taste with acid a little bit ahead of the fruits and the bitter, and that's, you know, variations on that theme. Um, but I, I don't know if that's... I, <laughs> I don't know if that was too much or too little. You, you really don't want to ask you to elaborate. I have a feeling you could you could say a lot more, Steve. But that was that was getting us in the right direction because we we, we kind of really want to talk about this you know apple varietal and your experience. So the we're going to take a short break soon. But before we do that, tell us. I mean, is it true that you're the guy that that's that spread this apple? I mean, you're the the Johnny Appleseed of Kingston Black. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, our others, everyone else is making in our tasting today of all yeah, the well, other stuff. Like, if you're talking to the market, yes, absolutely, we did do that. Yes, and we are geniuses in every other way too. But no, it's not true. I mean, the whole kind, this stuff was all. This stuff has been planted all over this country before we started. We're the first ones, I think, to grow it in anything like commercial quantities. And we've handed out a lot of budwood, but it was it was here. It was all over the place. But I, I think you have a role. So you actually you give what you give cuttings to people so they can help. Yeah. You do that. We do. Yeah, we give we give. I mean, Dan can tell you we'll, we'll give budwood away to anybody. We give a lot of budwood away, thousands and thousands of buds away. But because um, I'm, I'm interested, in, like you know, if I wanted to grow Kingston Black, so Dan, how did you get your Kingston Black? You got them as cuttings? Did you? Did yeah. You? Well, um, uh, two summers ago, uh, the, the with cuttings uh, in the way that we're grafting the trees, they always come in the late part of the summer when the the trees kind of stop uh, uh, their the, the growth for that year. And we collect some uh, new shoots and strip them of their leaves, put them, refrigerate them, send them to a nursery, and they'll uh, kind of snip individual buds from those uh, shoots and graft them onto whichever rootstock that we choose, depending on how we uh, plan to uh, design and manage an orchard, whether they're dwarf rootstock or you know a larger tree. Um, and uh, and they put them together and grow them up in a nursery for a couple of years. And uh, so the, the trees or the budwood that I got from Steve two Augusts ago, those trees went in the ground this year, and uh, and we had we put in a few hundred Kingston Black. Nice. All right. Steve, I'll tell you what, you're going to take a short break. Um, we're going to take a little break and be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. So you like good beer. 
Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit GreatBrewers.com today. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Again, check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. You can become a member. There's a lot of special benefits. And, of course, give a big shout-out to our sponsor, greatbrewers.com. You want to learn more about beer and cider, and they have a lot of things going on for Cider Week in New York City as well, greatbrewers.com. All right, so we've got a great show tonight. We're talking about Kingston Black. We're, we're very focused on a, a certain varietal of apples. Uh, we've got Steve Wood on the line. Roem Jacobson is going to call in an author, great in-studio guest. So, uh, Kay Michaels, uh, mm-hmm. you're a cheesemonger at Italy, but you're a big cider uh, fan. Yeah. Uh, what was your question for, for Steve, and, and what's the next, next cider that we're drinking? Yeah, so we're about to taste the Kingston Black from West County Cider, um, which is exciting for a couple of reasons. This one is a 2009 vintage that... Um, kind of got forgotten about in the basement. Um, it's going to be exciting to taste for a couple of reasons. One, not a lot of people are doing cellaring of cider. You mean so. your basement? No, 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 not mine. Uh, at West County, they were uh, the Maloney's were very generous in uh, sharing this with us for today because this is a very special tasting. And it's hard to talk about cider without really talking about apples. Um, so, But what I kind of wanted to ask Steve, because I believe that Steve and the folks at Poverty Lane have also supplied... West County with a lot of apples, and I believe the Kingston Black, because as Steve noted earlier, it's a fussy tree and uh, hard to grow, and I'm just uh, wondering, um, I think it'll be exciting to taste this next to that and do a comparison, and again, because it's, it's vintaged, vintaged and cellared. I also would like to ask Steve, if, we, if he's back on the line, um, it, I think it's exciting that today we have so many Kingston Blacks. Um, and I'd like to get his perspective on how the cider makers, the newer cider makers in the country, does he find them coming to him for for the Kingston Blacks? Are people starting to grow them on their own? Are they mostly getting cyanwood from him? Because I think it would be interesting going forward to compare this apple as it grows in different regions. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've when we have it to spare, um, we sell our colleagues, Apples, and yeah, you know, we, we have when we have. I mean, happy to sell Kingston Black, and uh, you know, Dan has got some Kingston Black from us over the years. The Maloney's have gotten some. I mean, the number of people who've gotten Kingston Black from us over the years. Um, that happy thing is, this is not just about Kingston Black, but exactly what Dan was just describing. Um, apple growers are starting to really plant cider apples seriously now. Thousands and thousands, tens of thousands really actually hundreds of thousands of trees. Um, so it's, it's, it has changed a fair bit. I mean, people are not... I'm always happy when somebody wants to put in a couple dozen trees, but it's pretty exciting to see a serious apple grower starting to plant, like Dan, planting this stuff in earnest. Um, and again, the Maloney's, like, I, you know, Terry Maloney, gosh, Pete Hingston, a friend of mine and I went down, God, it must have been 20 years ago and helped Terry Maloney graft a bunch of Kingston Black in their, in their orchard up in Coleraine. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, some of their, some of their Kingston Black, I'm not sure what this, I, 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 what, what year is this? It's 90, no, it's not. It's 2009. 2009. 2009. I, I, I asked because we were a while ago tasting some 97 Kingston Black up here, which was pretty grim. <laughs> of our own, of our own. But, uh, um, yeah, so 2009, that was, the, so Terry made this stuff, and he, I, as I recall, they, that fruit mostly came from us. Um, I've got a bottle of it sitting here. I'll pop it, and we can, you know, I'll, I'll follow along with you. All right. And, 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 and is Rowan Jacobson, are you on the line as well? Yeah, I'm Rowan. ready. Rowan, t- tell us about your book. I mean, I, I've read your Oyster book, um, Apples of Uncommon Character. Um, just tell us a little bit about why you wrote that book, and um, you know, 
your your reflections and all that. Sure. Um, I wrote the book because uh, about 15 years ago, I, I started kind of cluing in to the whole Apple world beyond what, you know, every, all of us knew from, from the world of supermarkets, which was basically Red Delicious, Gold Delicious, Granny Smith, if you're lucky. Um, and I realized that there was this huge world of apples beyond that that we weren't hearing about. It was all kind of like, you know, in the Matrix when you suddenly unplug from the official story and look around and realize that you've been sold a, a bill of goods. So um, I, the more I, I got fascinated by this huge and, and really deep world of apples that was existing completely off the official radar, the more I realized that there was just like a fascinating world that, that we weren't learning about. So that was why I decided to write the book. And then uh, did you did you study the Kingston Black as well? Oh yeah, and um, and I've tasted all these um, all these Kingston Blacks that, that you guys are talking about, and it's been fascinating because this apple has um, it's kind of it's got great PR, but I feel like the um, it's it's got to be handled correctly or it falls a little flat. So what, what's your take on the the Farnham Hill Kingston Black and the West County? Kingston Black. I ha- I haven't tasted the West County. I didn't get a, a, a bottle of the West County, but of the ones I've tasted, um, and I, you know, it's, this is kind of funny. I, I hate to, <laughs> I hate to compliment Steve when he's on the air there because that's the last. You'll be all right. But <laughs> <laughs> no one's complimented the, um, him yet. The Farnham Hill was the only bottle of the, the the ciders I tasted that had like the interesting complexity that I kind of looked look for from Kingston Black. It had those floral notes and those weird savory notes. Um, and I kind of, I don't know why the others didn't, but um, all the things that this apple is promised to have, that was the only bottle that I found them in. So which, which other ones did you get samples of? Well, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to diss the competition. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I guess we'd have to stop right there. The, the, the tasting's over, Rowan. Thank you. <laughs> Let me support and that very briskly, uh, but none of us wants to do that. This is Khalid. <laughs> but but and, and seriously, um, said is clear. I'm very grateful for the compliment and everything. But we we we're, we're interested. We're not trying to get a leg up, buddy. No, I think and, and I think because gay organizer show, we wanted to talk yeah. about the, the different you know just yeah, showcase no, this as a viral. All I mean to say is that I'll be, uh, we, you, nobody's going to diss anything. Yeah, we're not going to diss, but what's next? We, we, uh, Dan Wilson brought his Slybro Kingston Black. Let's taste that yep, next. Definitely. I don't know if you guys yeah, have it, but we're going to taste it. So you guys should have come to New York. You could have had it with us. So. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I have to say I have not tasted Dan's, but the other Slybro's I've tasted have been very good. Um, Gay, do you have a question for Rowan about his book? Because I know we have your book in the studio right now, Rowan, so. Yeah, we do. I actually just want to say I think it's really beautifully laid out. I love the photographs. And we were uh, going through the recipes earlier, which are pretty tasty as well. Um, what's your favorite recipe out of the selection that you included in this book? Just curious. <laughs> hey, thanks. That's a, that's a great question. Um, can, I, can I pick a couple? Is that sure. Acceptable? All right. Well, so one thing I try to do with the recipes, because there's so many good sort of dessert apple recipes out there, but I feel like apples have a great role to play in savory dishes. So I kind of skewed my recipes heavily towards savory. And um, if there's one I would single out, it would be the Brussels sprouts with apples and bacon recipe. I feel like that's like a perfect side dish with so many different things. It's really easy to do. So... That's one I would suggest. And then the other is um, kind of a dessert recipe that goes in a, in a totally different direction. And it uses apples almost like a quiche. Um, so you make a, an apple lime tart, which just takes apples, skin and all. You just blitz them in a food processor with a, cu- a few eggs and some lime juice and a couple of other things. And then you just bake it in a shell. And you get a very sort of tart, um, light dessert that is kind of worlds away from the usual, like the cinnamon-heavy apple dessert that we tend to go for. Yeah, I'm looking at the pictures of that now. It looks amazing, definitely worth trying. Um, The Brussels sprout recipe, I think, is interesting as well because I really feel like 
cider pairs beautifully with grains, especially American ciders, Brussels sprouts, kale, any of those really bitter greens with a lot of oomph. Cider's an excellent partner. That's, and of that's course actually bacon. a really good observation. Yeah, I, I agree that um, you go with those bitter, um, you know, bitter, slightly tart dishes, and cider really blooms. Yeah, the sweetness helps, too. And we're tasting uh, Slybro. Dan, what, what do you want to say about your your Kingston Black Cider? Um, each one we've one, had has been totally different. Like yeah. what the West County was, mm-hmm. there was a little uh, liveliness to it, even though it was 2009. Yeah, it was really flinty. It still had you know, some fruity notes in there, but it was flinty. I mean, you, I think you could definitely taste that. You, you could feel the, the presence of the tannin. Yeah. And then what, what about the Slybro? Each uh, one's totally different. Yeah, uh, with this again is using some of uh, Steve's fruit, which he was uh, uh, generous enough to uh, to donate to the cause of spreading Kingston Black ciders. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, we kind of took this in a direction of um, uh, this is actually not a pure Kingston Black, but we uh, added a small portion of um, a couple of bittersweets just to kind of develop a little bit more of the soft tannic quality and and uh and uh, uh let that stand up a little bit more this is also uh very lightly oaked because again uh, we, we i like that kind of um astringent woody quality in the in the cider and I, I wanted that to uh to come forward a little bit too uh but i i the thing that i like about kingston black is it's very it's a very. It can be a very robust and full uh, flavor, uh, where a lot of ciders, especially single variety ciders, can be on the weaker side. This one, uh, you know, treated well, can um, uh, can have a, a very rich flavor. And um, but I, I guess one of the things I, I'm, I'm kind of interested by in in the note that Steve um, mentioned is there was a lot of cider fruit going in the ground, and Kingston Black is a cider apple for those of us who are studying cider. That that precedes itself with a bit of a reputation because uh, you know everybody who studies cider making hears that Kingston Black is one of the few apple varieties that by itself has all the qualities that can make an interesting cider. Um, and in the United States, you know, we're just beginning to explore uh, you know the varietal characteristics of apples when they're fermented, and we're at the very beginning stages of understanding which apple varieties may work better in certain areas than others. So the thing that we'll be interested to see, or I'll be interested to see in the next five and ten years, is how something like a Kingston Black will perform when it's grown in the Pacific Northwest or in uh, Virginia or in uh, upstate New York. Um, you know, Steve does a remarkable job. I think that his his farm is perfectly suited to developing the flavors in this in this apple, but... I think we all know that in you know different growing climates and different conditions on different soils, it's going to behave differently, and uh, and in some cases it may be uh, spectacular, in other cases uh, it may you know people may want to steer away from it because it's just not the appropriate apple for that site. But you know again it's early days for us and we're kind of learning as we go, and uh, uh, it'll be uh, exciting to see what happens next. Well, it's also you know Steve we've talked a lot about. Developing labels like you, you start toying with the American fine cider movement and real cider. I mean, you're looking for your your top quality uh, products, aren't you? That can be priced the way a wine is. We're hoping, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's I mean, I can I, I know your prices, and you know, from from a blend to the Kingston Black, the Kingston Black is it, it's priced high. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna treat it in a different manner. I'm, I'm going to charge more for it. You know, like today, we're going to do a, a tasting. We're going to offering by the glass some of these different kinks and blacks at Jimmy's number 43. So it's important for us as, as restaurant and, and bar owners to know, you know, what, what are the top ciders in America, you know? And um, I think having, you know, talking about a varietal is important. It's the same way you're talking about whether it's a Cabernet Sauvignon or, or you know, something else. So. Well, Jimmy, listen, this is what Dan said is absolutely true. The only way that works, we're hoping, people like Dan and I and myriad other people across the country, cider makers and cider growers are hoping that we can carry on, growers in particular, finding out the answers, the beginnings of the answers to the questions, the exciting questions that he was just describing. We can only grow these apples if we get paid for them. And so, so, so we, we, you know, it's impossible to make cider out of something like Kingston Black, to grow the apples to make that for the same price as cider that's made out of 
concentrate or that's made out of, you know, reject John and Gold. We've got, we, so, that, so the ciders just have got to command more. And we, what we don't really know is whether that's a supportable market. We know that we can't do it. If they can't, if we, Dan, am I right about this? Absolutely. You know, we, I mean, we, it's not, we're not trying to gouge. We are, our margins are very narrow at our high prices because we're growing apples, which is a very expensive thing to do, but we're growing apples. You know, these aren't cold dessert apples. These aren't the Macintosh that don't make it down the line. If you tried to put some of these apples in a kid's lunchbox, you're going to family <laughs> court. You know, we, we, these are, a lot of these things are inedible. We're growing them only to make cider out of them. So it's, you know, uh, the, the growers have got to actually be able to support, you know, support their habit of growing apples. And the only way to do that is, to, is for the, 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 the ciders to command a price. And I think what Dan was just talking about, um, you know, is really hopeful. If people start growing these varieties across the country, real regional styles are going to start developing. Real, real regional differences are going to start developing. And people like Dan and I are just hoping that people will honor those differences and be happy to buy the bottles. But the bottles ain't going to be two bucks a piece. Um, ever. <laughs> All right. Let's raise a glass. We'll get a toast here to, hey. to you guys. Rowan, what, what, what do you think? Of, you, you're, you're talking about apples. You're talking about food as well. But and what do you think? you think there's a market out there for fine ciders? Yeah, you know, what, what strikes me is that um, everybody's kind of, like, scrapping out there to try to convince people why their estate-grown single-varietal cider is worth 15 to $20 a bottle, while if that was wine, you know, the question would be, like, why are you selling it so cheap? So there, it's weird. There's this kind of double standard about the, the top wines versus the top ciders, so hopefully that will even out over the years. That's great. All right. We're going to take another short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio. This is the Cider Week preview with uh, Gay Howard. We're talking about uh, what's going on in New York City. There's a lot going on for Cider Week, and we have Sasha and Sabine here to tell us a little bit more about that. There's more events than you could possibly attend. So what are some of the top... Sasha, what are some of the the, the special events that that our listeners should check out in New York City? Uh, So it starts on Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. So Friday night is a really fantastic um, kind of kickoff event with with Green Market, which should be a lot of fun. They're doing a night market. They'll be pouring. We'll be there. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. They're going to be pouring cider by the glass. Um, They're going to have cider makers selling by the bottle. um, And then a number of local restaurants will be. And Union Square, right? Yeah, in Union Square. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, also just to give a little pitch for for folks, because there's something for everyone. I mean, there's there's cider dinners, there's a pig roast, you know, there's lots of meet the maker events. There's a fantastic event that you're doing um, down at the seaport. Like, there's all kinds of fantastic stuff so um classes there's classes at murray's at aster at uh at green grape i mean no matter the neighborhood tell us tell us three dinners and three tastes like the place it's at and all that stuff yeah absolutely so i mean do you want to talk about the dinners that you're going to sure um there's a great one at back 40 that rowan jacobson is actually going to be at um that's on monday night um, there is one at the Queen's Kickshaw, a really awesome restaurant uh, and cider bar in Astoria. Um, that's on Wednesday. Tuesday, the Farm in Adderley in Brooklyn is doing another dinner with Rowan um, as a special guest, and a bunch of cider makers will be there as well. 
Northern Spy, DBGB. I mean, you know. Uh, the most important thing is to go to our website, ciderweeknyc.com, click on the events tab, and then you'll see a listing of all the dates, all the events happening, and stuff is selling out. So go visit the site. So, so being what, it tickets. used to be Cider Week New York. Why is it Cider Week NYC now? Uh, because we used to do Cider Week uh, in New York City and Hudson Valley simultaneously, and we decided this year that the, the two regions are so different and really deserve their own Cider Weeks and their own attention and focus. So there's actually, after Cider Week NYC uh, in November, um, it's November 14th to the 23rd, uh, Hudson Valley will have its very own Cider Week and will feature only um, cider makers from the Hudson Valley, which is a, a new thing this year, so it's very exciting. There's a lot of cider makers that have um, cropped up in, in the area, and they'll be featured and celebrated. So that URL is ciderweekhv.com. So check out that website, too, if you want to head upstate. All right. Well, let's go back. we, we got Rowan, Rowan Jacobson and Steve, Steve Wood on the line. So, Rowan, so you'll be in New York City next week at a couple cider dinners. Um, you know, how would you approach hosting a cider dinner? You know, what what would your requirements be or guidelines? Well, uh, you know, I figure um, the thing about with apples and cider both is that people haven't been exposed to this whole kind of like edgy world that's out there that's really just starting to come into its own in the U.S. So the, the goal with those dinners is to, to push that envelope out a little bit. So... Uh, we'll we'll both have tastings of a bunch of different heirloom apples that people have maybe never encountered before, and also of course ciders that people have never encountered before. So the idea is just to keep pushing that palate out to encounter these new and exciting things. Great. And um, do you guys both have the Redbird uh, Kingston Black cider? What's that? I do. Yeah. S- S- Steve, do you also have the Redbird? Yeah, Kings- I got Redbird. Yep. Okay. And and Dan, so l- what do you want to say about that one? Because we're, we're on that right now. Uh, Redbird, Kingston Black. You guys, anyone have anything to say about it? Cl- Claire Paparazzo's here. Great hey. sommelier. Yeah, thanks for having me, first of all. I just want to say this one is a little more animalistic. You're talking about that funk and um, those animal notes, and this is definitely, for me, you know, I like the balance, the acidity, but it has this really nice, earthy animal funk, and I assume doing any kind of, like, food and wine pairings, um, food and cider pairings, you're going to go back to the earth and see what makes sense in that way. Um, and this would be a, a really nice option t- to include in a tasting. Very focused. I agree with that. I, we, I, we've, I, I've, I've gotten all kinds of the sort of – this one came up. I think Eric's doing a good job. I mean, we, we got the sort of cantaloupe, ripe cantaloupe and uh, – you know, sweetness, the weird implied sweetness that we get out of regular Kings of Black and a bit of the toffee, little sort of boiled apple or something, a little dried papaya. Um, but, uh, yeah, some of that some of that earthy stuff. Uh, we were surprised by the sharpness of the acidity. Yeah. Um, we liked it in the end. But then when we first, I mean, we, you know, we always smell things first. We go through all the nose. We put it in our mouths. Uh, we were, I mean, we're, we love acid up here, as anybody who's had our sight uh-huh. knows. But, uh, um, I, let's see. I mean, I, we, uh, they, uh, this is not a criticism, but, they, you know, if, they, if that acid could stand to be softened a little bit, I wonder whether a little more time would do it. Or, I, I, you know, and I don't know where, it, I, but it was, this is good stuff. It, it, had, it, it had a... Uh, some you know lemon in the flavor with all that other stuff in the taste. It had it, 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 with all the cantaloupe and everything. We liked this one quite a lot, and we'd never had it before. We were just getting used to the Redbird stuff here at Farnham Hill, and we're we're pretty impressed with what Eric is doing over there. That's great, Steve. Um, I like their stuff too. They also they have another uh, cider that has like some wild yeast in it too. Have, have you had that, Gay? I think we had a few uh, at the tasting at your place during Cider Week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So very we, tasty. Um, but th- there's a lot of great, great uh, new growers, you know, and, and you're trying to talk about orchardists. But, I mean, what does it take someone to go from wanting to make cider to growing their own, you know, apple trees? I mean, how many years does that take, you know, Steve? How, how many years does what take? How, does, how long does it take? Say I buy some land and, and, and there's some trees. On, I, I want to I be 
a, a cider oh. maker. How many years is it going to take me to have my, be able to make oh, cider dude, for my how own? How old are you? I'm 60. <laughs> <laughs> You're older than me. Um, I, um, I, I, it takes, let me think, it takes longer to learn how to grow an apple tree than it does to grow an apple tree, and it, it takes a long time to grow an apple tree. If, you, if Dan was just talking about the process of, if you get some budwood from me or Dan, this year, you are three years away from actually seeing a tree even in your ground. And the tree is going to be the diameter of your thumb, and it's going to be about as tall as your nose. It's not going to have any apples on it. And thereafter, it depends. I mean, but it's somewhere between three and what, Dan? Eight years before you really have anything like significant crop, depending on how you plant it? Yeah, depending it. on how you manage the, the, the trees, you for sure. Don't let the deer just destroy it if you have any clue what you're doing. Um, People have this funny idea that, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, cider makers think, okay, some cider makers think, great, I've, I've, I've been work, making cider for a few years, now I'm going to grow an orchard. And people like Dan and me kind of laugh because we, we want to say, right, why don't you try some brain surgery while you're at it? Really, you'd be better off buying a sailboat and a horse because you're going to lose less money. Well, Steve, you recall we you had know, a conversation a with a prospective cider maker not too long ago who we kind of steered them toward the idea of um, – linking up with an experienced orchardist to grow the varieties that they exactly. want to have for their ciders. So, yeah. you know, that happens in the wine world a lot where you have uh, really great winemakers who do not grow their own crop, but they are very active in managing the, uh, the, the vineyards that they're collecting grapes from. And I, I think the same could be uh, done with cider makers. And that would also do a great shot to, uh, to, to help, you know, preserve orchards and to keep uh, apple farms alive and to uh, to kind of capitalize on the you know decades of experience of some of these great apple growers in the region too. Here, here, Sabine, absolutely right. I just wanted to say I uh, had the pleasure of visiting Eric Schatz uh, from Redbird's Orchard last Tuesday up in the Finger Lakes, and he's not only crazy enough to plant trees but uh, grow them biodynamically, which is very unusual here in the Northeast. Isn't he also doing a little bit of wild foraging as well and going out and finding lost apples? And- yeah, a little bit, uh, but mostly really just trying to plant um, a lot of cider apple varieties. Well, that, that, That's my find of the year, Redbird. I, I love them. Um, next one, Eve Cider. Uh, who wants to comment on that? Because this is nice. I mean, Claire, what do you think of this one? I think it's it is showing more of those kind of fruity characters and – the acidity is very balanced. It's enjoyable all around on its own, but probably I was thinking of some kind of really delicious uh, triple cream, like cow's milk cheese. That would be really amazing with this right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think this one shows the fruit the best. This is Claire Paparazzo. She, she was a sommelier at Blue Hill. That, um, you're good, girl. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, this stuff is great. I mean, we we had ripe tangerine, raspberry. We got fruit mm-hmm. for miles out of this thing. Yeah, this um, is um, yep. with nice a nice acid balance, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of almost sort of fruit leather or something. You know, mm-hmm. like not really, not really artificial. Just you've been messing with the fruit a little bit. Berries, pineapple. It was, yeah, it, it just it, it's really. Uh, we thought this one was cool, and again, not. Very, I mean, gee, we keep thinking we know what Case of Black does. This is different. We recognize it, but just barely. You know, it's lovely. So. Steve, do you know uh, Ezra and, and, and Eve Cider, Cidery? What's that? Do you know them, Eve Cidery? Me? Yeah. Oh, they're, yeah, no, they're, they're goodness. Uh, 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 <laughs> yes, Autumn came to me, God, it must be it must almost be twenty years ago. I talked to her on the phone today. We've been pals for years. We helped them. Uh, well, I, I don't want to exaggerate this, but but uh, when they were looking for information and material on cider apples, we did every, everything we could for them. They, they're cool. They do a very good job up there, and they're in their Finger Lakes, which is you know grape land, right? But they're growing, yeah. full fruit, making great cider. They make brilliant method Champenoise cider. And they make, I think, one of the best still dry ciders in the country, Albie Hill. Um, uh, you know, I don't like Method Champenoise cider, but, but for the most part, I love their cider. It's one of those weird things. Dan and I talk about this all the time, how, you know, you, there, there's a certain sort of thing you don't like very much, except somebody makes one that you just think is just wonderful. They're, they are on that list. Uh, yeah, I know them. <laughs> They're good news. You're good. You're good, man. 
<laughs> I've got you on the phone. I can't believe I got, I've got Steve Wood. We got we got Rowan Jacobson, and uh, we're talking about even food and cider pairings. Um, is are there any more ciders to taste? Do we have the? Yeah, I think we, we actually do. have three more. We uh, two more at two least. More? Let's yeah. let's let's do them. So what's next? Uh, we have Distillery Lane, uh, which is also a single varietal Kingston Black, and then we have an Eden Sparkling sign. Cider, which is fifty percent. Uh, let's let's pop black. them both and let, let's let's go because right, our show's go. running down. Um, and Sabine, you're writing down notes over there. Are you just getting new ideas, or you want to ask a question? Why don't you get the microphone? Um, I was just going to say it, it's uh, interesting to taste still ciders. So I'm always curious to hear um, how people taste those differently than they do those. With I bubbles. have a question for Steve. When I first met you, you said you were only making still ciders. And then yeah. you got turned on to draft, so then you started making, you know, whatever, sparkling? Or? Yeah, you know, buddy, I, we've been making fizzy cider for years. We just, we, the, what it really boils down to is we would rather just make still ciders. But with what Sabine just said, I mean, I'd suggest you go to the Edens next because this is a sort of, uh, if, you want, if you want to taste a, 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 a real, um, uh, something close to Method Champenoise or French style cider with with natural bubbles that's the one you've got left for that um uh on your on your on your list but yeah I, we don't know we're we, we'd like to make still dry cider because we think that's the best expression of the fruit but that is totally opinionated well, Steve, l- let me tell you what i, I want to give a big plug to a big plug to eden because you know everyone knows eleanor but i know in june she rolled this out in new york city and i think this is a, a breakthrough product for cider because it's very well made. We, we, we're selling it as, as a half bottle on the sparkling wine list. We sold a lot of it this summer. And, and to me, this is, this is a great new direction for cider. Um, I serve this to call it Petrini of slow food. You know, this, this has been the breakthrough cider for me, for a lot of people. So, Good. hey, it's, you know, she told me it was champagne yeast, you know, dry, sparkling, um, let's everyone give a quick opinion of this. Let's talk about styles in cider because we want cider to be more popular. We want we want fine ciders to be more popular. You know, I don't care about Magnus and I don't care about some canned ciders, but I care about fine ciders. So, Gay and Kate, let's go around the room. Everyone say, what do you like about this, or do you think this is a good direction for fine cider to go in? Well, Can I, I weigh in on that? Sure, Absolutely. Rowan. Well, you're in the room too. That's right. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, it's funny because um, all these ciders, I started out with them uh, chilled and tasted them all. And uh, the sparkling definitely works well when it's chilled. But as they warm up, the sparkling starts to seem like a mistake and the stills come to the fore. Um, but in terms of, of the sparkling ciders, yeah, Eden, I, I feel like that really is the standard setter right now for sparkling cider. It has the richness of of like a Normandy cider, but it, it tastes like a Normandy cider made by cider makers who actually bathed now and then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I can only this speak to what I'm tasting here, be. but I, I mean, I get vanilla notes. I get some tropical fruit. Um, uh, the effervescence of it is beautiful. It's all very well balanced, and it has, for me, what all of the Kingston Black Ciders have had, which is a nice long finish that you can really chew on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we were getting at initially with that musky, sexy, sweaty. It's like you just feel it and it's primal. And it, the Kingston Black, is. I feel like it's really bringing that to all of these ciders. This one's a little more delicate, but it's it's really, really beautiful. Yeah. And uh, Claire? I think the, oh, yeah. Go, Sasha. Go. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I think the thing that's so notable about this one is it's just mm-hmm. remarkably balanced, right? Mm-hmm. And it's also got this really nice nuttiness that I didn't observe necessarily in the others that's, I think, really lovely. And also that Eleanor can make all these incredible ice ciders and then, you know, knock it out of the park with this, like, just mm-hmm. lovely sparkling cider. If you want to try all Eleanor's ciders and, and some Farm Hill ciders, next Wednesday there's a cider maker dinner at Jimmy's number 43. Yeah. With Eleanor, I don't know if you Steve's going to be there or Lulu. You love those people, don't you, Steve? Uh, no, we love working with those guys. They, they're great. But we love working with Dan. So they, I, they, you know, Eleanor and Albert, you're, you're saying Eleanor, and I adore Eleanor, but Albert, her husband, has a great deal to do with actually putting these things together. 
you know, they've got the starter and the finisher. When we do the dinner, we've got, you know, they've got the beautiful aperitif. They've got the beautiful thing to finish it. And now they've got a good center to go in the middle with us. You know, we're going to start have to, we might have to kill them soon. <laughs> <laughs> but this, I, we think this is really good cider. And it is made, I mean, I, 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 I don't want to go, to, I, it, it, there's another hour in how this stuff is made. But it's it's it, it's very complicated how they make this. Stuff. Yeah, because they actually and, use uh, some of the um, ice cider, right? That's they, well, not, not the ferment. ice cider. It's after they finish t- drawing down the brick of ice for their very unctuous uh, uh, syrup from which they make the ice cider. There's still some goodie left in that brick of ice, and they take the next little bit from the cryofraction in the ice. And they ferment that, and then they add some the Kingston Black and some other bittersweets to that, and they ferment that they put it in oak, and then they then they finish the fermentation. The bottle in Albert disgorges every bloody bottle, just like Method Champenoise, meaning dipping its neck into a bath of ice and pulling the plug of yeast out. I mean, this stuff should be 50 bucks a bottle. <laughs> it is in some restaurants. But, uh, Claire, what do you, you think? Know, Claire, we got, um, you got a sommelier out here. I, I feel like <laughs> I want a piece of prosciutto with this. I don't know. I just, again, yeah. it's like when I'm tasting and smelling all these flavors, I imagine food. And I feel like the saltiness of the prosciutto would be so lovely with this delicate bubble in your mouth and... Um, a little touch of sweetness, but the finish is just really long and balanced. So, yeah. Great. really delicious. And we have to jump the show, but uh, there's one last cider, Distillery Lane in Maryland. Okay. Gay, tell us a little bit about them because they've really tried hard to come to New York City they for cider did. week. They wanted to be here with us, but they couldn't. But this is their bourbon barrel aged Kingston Black, so it's going to finish us with a a bourbon barrel. So tell us about them. So like they're they're not distributed yet in New York. They will be at some point. They're they're hoping to get here and obviously we'll let you know so that they can do a tasting event with you. Um, they are Maryland based and this is the, actually the first time I've tasted any of their ciders. I've been aware of them for a while but this is our first tasting. So It's very different. Can, can I just say us? something about, yes. you know, I'm looking at these ciders and and uh, as Steve points out, this is not a, an easy-to-grow apple. It is a little bit rare. But a, as a class or a group of ciders, I would also say these are not entry-level ciders. They're certainly within the realm of what is possible in the flavor range of cider in some, in some very exciting ways. So I would encourage people who are listening to this show to seek these ciders out because these are the ciders that we want um, uh, uh, the buyers to really aspire to because they really do reflect the quality of the fruit that goes in them. And if you guys buy more of this stuff, we will make more of this stuff. We'll make and- more. <laughs> right. <laughs> so please, okay. explore. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, Steve, any parting words from you? Parting words? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Drink good cider and don't give bad cider a break. Okay. And <laughs> be Rowan. Demanding. Be demanding. There's enough cider out there that people can really be demanding. The exciting thing for those of us who are making, trying to make good cider that reflects the fruit and the ground on which it's grown is that there is enough out there now that people can choose. And people like Dan and I and the Legers and, uh, and uh, the Autumn and Ezra at, at Eve's. We're all hoping that people will be demanding and actually go seek good cider. Just what Dan said, go for the good stuff. It's there. Steve, you're you're inspiring. On that note, uh, there's a great book that we've been passing around today. Uh, Pete Brown's, we still have it here? Yep, it's right over there. What's the name of that book? World's Best Cider. World's Best Cider, Pete Brown. Who's the other guy, Dan? Bradshaw. Bill Bradshaw. Bill Bradshaw. Yeah. So, also, go to Jimmy's. That's the other thing. Go yeah. to Jimmy's. Go to Jimmy's next week and experience Saturday <laughs> week. But we're passing that book around. Everyone here is signing it. And uh, also, Rowan. Rowan, parting words. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, room temperature. Cider is more like red wine than white wine. Oh, you sing, sir. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Radical. Indeed. Well, mm-hmm. I, I want to say that thank you for everyone for, for coming on the show. Cider Week New York is coming up on Friday. Uh, October 22nd. Yeah. And it's CiderWeekNYC.com. Mm-hmm. 
Some great events, including our kickoff event, Cider Feast at the Seaport on Saturday. We have a wide world of cider. We'll have ciders from Ireland and, and Astoria, Spain, as well as America. And we've got some guys coming in. Like, there's not everyone's officially, you know, distributing the city. Distillery Lane's trying to come up from Maryland. But uh, Reverend Nats from uh, the Pacific Northwest, he's sending over some samples for us. We're, we're going to be tasting them. Um, a lot of cool people want to be part of the Cider Week New York City. And you guys, Sabine and Sasha, have done a great job. And we're really proud proud to be part of it. And Steve, again, Steve Wood and Rome Jacobs, thank you for joining us on the air. You can, calling in. Uh, you're missing out on all the fun in studio. But it, it was great having you guys. So we had some great guests. And, of course, I'll give a thanks to uh, Dan Wilson of Slybro Ciders, Gay Howard, United States of Cider, Kay Michaels, the Eagerly Cheesemonger. Sabine, also of the United States of Cider, oh, yeah. Jimmy. That's really why I'm here. <laughs> at, hell, at, and your Twitter is at Hello Cider. Yes. Which is cool. Mm. And uh, Sabine and Sasha from Cider Week. And Claire Paparazzo, or uh, sommelier, and great, great pairing suggestions. And, you, you know, we could do about you. three more hours of this show, and I would love to do it. But <laughs> thanks for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers on this show, Gay Howard and everyone else, Maggie Side and Justin Kennedy, and our engineer, Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. All Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.